Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Caged In Presents Coppola Connections, as ever brought to you by the Breadcrumbs Collective and hosted by me, Petros Patsyllabus. This is episode 37 and after scratching at the top of the barrel last week with The Godfather, we thought we'd have a little tinker around at the bottom of the barrel with this week's pick, the 1994 Rob Reiner film, North. Starring Elijah Wood, Bruce Willis, and a whole host of other people. If you're new to this podcast, what we do over here is we watch every single film in the Coppola family's collective filmography to determine, are they the greatest film family of all time? Joining me this week is Josh Pappenheim. And uh, if you're not listening to Josh's fantastic podcast, Truly Happily Madison, you are missing out. We had a lot of fun in this chat. Sometimes it is good to talk about the uh, the trash of cinema. Sometimes it's nice to eat your vegetables, but sometimes it's nice to have um, a big old plate of shit that you can digest and uh, try and work out what the fuck is going on. What happened to this stellar career that Rob Reiner was having up to that point? So, as is always the case with uh, these films, we spoil this film bloody rotten. We talk about every single family that North goes to visit, all the ins and the outs is exploration whilst looking for a new family this film is currently on youtube which you can watch for free which may tell you something about the quality of the film so with all of that out of the way all that's left to do is to get emancipated from your parents trot across the globe looking for a new family with a series of deeply problematic sketches of different cultures as we make some coppola connections Hello, before we jump into this episode, I just wanted to say a quick little thing about Bruce Willis. Obviously, he's one of the stars of this film, and there's been the tragic news that he uh, is giving up acting. I guess that is tragic. Bruce Willis has been a massive part of my life, and I imagine many of your lives in uh, the films he's been in throughout the years. And I know that even, like, uh, despite my feelings on, on a film like North, uh, Bruce was a big part of my life for that and yeah those of you who may not know um, Bruce Bruce Willis has decided to step away from acting because he 
suffers with a condition called asphasia, which um, is like a kind of debilitating uh, illness that can kind of uh, really make you suffer when it comes to kind of speech and language and stuff like that. So obviously something that acting uses a lot of and decided to step step away from it. And it's kind of, it's a sad time in acting. I know there's a lot of jokes been made, and I've made them myself about Bruce's choices in the last, um, I don't know, 10 years or so, I guess. Yeah, I've, I've said it on this podcast, like 2012 was the last time uh, Bruce Willis made a, a decent film. And I, I like, I, now's not the time to talk about like some of the, some of the people are like who kind of gained from uh, Bruce Willis's deteriorating health. I, I do think that that discussion needs to be had at some point. Maybe I'm not the person to have it, and maybe this isn't the platform to have it. But yeah, I think I think there's a lot of directors and stuff like that that have very much profited off of what has happened to Bruce Willis's health. And uh, yeah, just wanted to say that obviously this episode was recorded way before. We knew any of that news and I don't think we do say anything disparaging about Bruce Willis and it's probably just the choices he made in 1994 nothing 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 really now and obviously yeah uh my my my, my love always goes out to to my boy Bruce he's kind of he, he's always been there as um one of the one of the one of my favorites every, every year near christmas i watched die hard and it says as a balding man as well bruce willis is someone i've looked up to for for the last i don't know five maybe longer i looked up to him longer than that but especially as i started to go balding i'm like oh yeah what stage of willis's career am i at right now with my balding and uh bruce has always looked cool with it so i guess i could be cool too yeah i just wanted to say say a little something up front but um Enjoy the episode. It's 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 a lot of fun, and we love you, Bruce. This week, we're looking at Rob Reiner's 1994 comedy drama adventure film, North, written by Andrew Scheinman, based on the novel. North, the tale of a nine-year-old boy who becomes a free agent and travels the world in search of per the perfect parents by Alan Joybel. The film stars Elijah Wood, Bruce Willis, Dan Aykroyd, Alan Arkin, John Lovitz, Jason Alexander, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and today's Coppola connection as reporter in a blink-and-you'll-miss-it performance It is, of course, Mark Coppola. Who didn't, who didn't spot Mark Coppola in this film? To join me to see if this childhood favorite film has aged like a fine wine and helps to mark the Coppola's the greatest film family of all time. Or if, like North, we should be looking for a new family to call our own is one half of Truly Happily Madison. A man who's used to the dregs of Adam Sandler's production company. <laughs> it is, of course... Josh Pappenheim. How are you, Josh? Hello. Hello. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad to be swapping uh yet again one load of shit films for well what's what could be quite a good film. We I guess we'll have to find out. But you know, I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for having me on to talk about, as you said, a childhood fave. Yes, and uh, just just to give people, uh, it might it might give them a hint 
as to how this conversation is going to go about this film. Uh, you you tweeted out uh, maybe a half hour before jumping on this record. Hell has a direction and it's north. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, that, I think that's about right, isn't it? Um, <laughs> well, well, yeah, spoilers for anyone who saw that tweet, but you know, <laughs> just gotta love your truth. Well, before we get into to lambasting this movie and giving it a right old kick in, Tell us a little bit about Truly Happily Madison. What's it, what's it all about? Oh, hi. Uh, yeah, Truly Happily Madison um, is a podcast that myself and my incredible co-host, Jack Gregson. Where um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> my words gone? <laughs> that we present. Um, however, we're kind of on, we're on a bit of hiatus at the moment because our original, our original plan was to watch all of the Happy Madison films. Uh, for those of you at home who don't know, that's all the films produced by Adam Sandler's production company. So including such amazing films as, um, uh, Reign of no rain God. on me rain over me rain over me i was about to say rain of fire it's amazing <laughs> how much all of this knowledge has just immediately gone out of my head anyway the house bunny uh paul blart mall cop one and two grown-ups one and two and most recently home team or home run i've even forgotten the name of that that was like a month ago <laughs> um but yeah we finished that up Although Hustler Hustle is coming out quite soon on Netflix, um, and we're currently looking into what our second season is going to be. Perfect. Perfect. I know that Jack, when he was on, teased by saying people would be tickled pink by that second season. Mm. So, so yeah, I, I, I look forward to finding out um, what that is. So I always like to. Be? <laughs> I always like to ask my guests, Josh, when they when they first come on, we kind of. Let's find out about your Coppola credentials. And uh, mm. first question I always ask is, how did you become aware of the Coppola family? Like, what was your entry point, uh, if that be an actor? But when did you kind of find out as well that there, there's like a whole hive of them, basically? Mm. I think I found out about them um, in the way that any self-respecting teenager in the noughties found out about them which is that i was a huge fan of the oc and um the teen comedy teen comedy drama and i loved the theme song you know the california california song and um i remember once just like i think it must have been you know early days of the internet looking looking up that song and finding out hey a guy called Jason Schwartzman is the drummer on that song. That's weird. And then I was like, that's the same name as this actor. And then this actor that was in, I can't even remember what I would have seen him in at that point. But anyway, I was like, oh, cool. And then found out that he was the brother of, um, what's the name? Robert Schwartzman, who's the lead singer of Rooney, who were in the OC performing. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's weird. That's funny. They're like, they're very talented. And then I looked at it further. I was like, wait, they're related to the guy who directed The Godfather. <laughs> and then I was like, wait, the guy who directed The Godfather is related to Nicolas Cage. And then like, it all just kind of like, you know, it was like a really bad cop drama where you pull on one thread and like it all comes falling down yeah 
Yeah, and I'm, you just, yeah, you just realise these people are just, they are film. Yeah. Like they're I, cinema at this point. I, I often say that like uh, what people can't see, because obviously this is an audio format, but um, in front of me on, on the wall, yeah, you, you, you can't see this, but there's just a, <laughs> it's just a kind of uh, a cork board with a like, string <laughs> and pictures of their family and how they all weirdly intersect uh, in this weird yeah, way. Yeah, you've got the murder wall. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I am. I'm very much Charlie from that episode of "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia." It's got to be this. It's got to be this. That is very much how I feel doing this podcast. That's really interesting. You're saying that, that Jason and Robert were your kind of entry points, like filmically. What, what, like, what would, it, what, what do you think would have been your earliest kind of exposure to a Coppola family member? Um, honestly, I think it's this, <laughs> if we're counting this in terms of like, you know, I know you mentioned earlier, like blink and you'll miss it. Like, uh, and we were talking earlier off mic about like how, if we didn't know the name, like what character this actor is playing, <laughs> Mark, like how would we even, how would you even know? There's no one in it who looks like, oh, that's definitely a guy. That's definitely a couplet. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah it's that, very tenuous, but it would be this. It would be this film. Absolutely. Like, you know, kind of the same as like, I mean, films like The Godfather, I, I didn't see until I was much older, but like, it just, it pervaded every bit of culture. Uh-huh. Like, you know, The Simpsons has like a piss take. That would have probably been like any TV show at some point does like a Godfather piss take or like, I love the smell of X in the morning. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, 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 for yeah. Apocalypse Now, like everyone like all these films are just so iconic it's like i feel like i grew up with them having never seen them and then when mm-hmm. i finally did see them i was like oh fuck yeah that, that's where um, that moment comes from that's where that oh! moment comes from. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I i guess it's very much now like um like watching films and finding out that's where like those the the kind of reaction memes come like reaction gifs mm. come from on twitter and stuff like that You're like oh that's where that comes oh. from oh, yeah I, I, I had it last last year and talking about for the dark world and there's that moment where you see mm. Loki looking really pristine and then like he lets the the guys down and he's looking like shit and I was like I think the best thing to come out of that film was like a meme that was like <laughs> <laughs> March 2020 versus March 2021 where it's like yeah you've yeah, yeah. Of, you've all, we've all fallen to shit um yeah yeah no that's yeah looking back on it it's either this or jack possibly for me oh fuck yeah an early especially francis ford coppola it's like obviously you you mentioned some of the classics there but yeah when i look back i'm like the first francis ford coppola film i possibly (laughs) would have seen would have been film about all all i remember from it as well like now having not rewatched it in a while is kids farting in a tin and passing it around <laughs> and then someone having to smell it that's like the the lasting memory i have of jim uh, i i think i tried watching that a few years ago like yeah not in the 90s not in the noughties not in the 10s like maybe last year in lockdown and got five minutes through and i was like i cannot like i love robin williams but i just can't I can't watch him going around pretending to be a child. I can't do this. 
Um, so good on you enduring that and then being like however many years later being like podcast all about this family all about this guy who did this <laughs> so just i, I want to know have you ever have you ever met a copler and like this could be this could be tenuous have you ever been at like a q a with one of them have you ever have you ever seen rooney play have you ever seen phantom planet uh perform at all no <laughs> no it's the no um yeah it feels like i really should have because you know i used to work in a long long time ago I used to work in like film publicity and doing social media and going along to premieres and you know interviewing people and doing junkets and all that kind of stuff and i don't know how but like i just never got a nick cage film <laughs> which I really thought I would have. You know, the others, Jason Schwartzman, maybe I could have had, like, mm -hmm. but I think just during the time, which was maybe like 2014 to 2017, I, like, that's the kind of period where Nick isn't really making much quality yes not that's getting not that's getting premieres at least do you know what i mean it's not that's getting premieres it just goes straight to an asda bargain bin yeah exactly like yeah i'm sorry i really left that quality hanging there because he was making a lot he was making a lot of films but just nothing that any publicity would like there wouldn't be any publicity campaign around and i guess jason schwartzman at that time is Almost like exclusively doing Wes Anderson films. Uh huh. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, and and yeah. And, and a lot of TV and kind of, as I've learned, a lot of like indie, a lot of indie films that are that are interesting. Mm. And yeah, Jason Schwartzman's kind of, I don't know, putting his neck out there as being possibly one of the more interesting members of the family. Not that mm. not that anyone can surpass Nick in that kind of. <laughs> being an absolute Obviously. gonzo maniac of a of a family member um <laughs> I, I don't um, really know how no. to ask this next question because uh well i think we already know the answer and i imagine nobody's really looking out for mark coppola roles in films but <laughs> i think we're safe to say that uh this that north is the the, the one and only mark coppola film you've ever seen josh I would say yes. <laughs> I would, I would absolutely say yes. But I do, do you know? Like, yeah, that's that's my gut instinct. But now I'm like, will there have been anything else? No, I feel like not because this was. I'd say this is one of the first films I remember seeing. Mm -hmm. Like. Absolutely down there. Because, you know, I'm born 1989. I'm, what, five when this film comes out? <laughs> Six when I'm able to rent it? Like, yeah, I don't, I don't really remember anything before this point. So, yeah, I mean, this could be my first Mark Coppola film. This could be my first film. <laughs> you never, like, you never know. I don't remember. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. Well, let's let's talk about that film, but uh, that, uh, yeah. But before we do, let, let's have a little listen to the trailer. From Rob Reiner, comes a new comedy about a kid named North. The one thing that we cannot control in this life is who our parents are. 
You dealt the hand, you're stuck with it. You need new parents and you need them now. You got a lawyer? Let's get cracking. I rule in favor of the plaintiff. Yes! However, if he is not physically in the arms of either his new parents or his original parents by noon on Labor Day, he will be remanded to an orphanage. <laughs> Who are you? I'm North. See your name on maps. Very impressive. Now he's setting out across the globe in search of parents who are generous. Everything I own is the biggest and the best. That's why we'd like you to become our son. Have you ever been an Easter Bunny? Easter Bunny? Parents who will educate him. Tuma Farahi Sana Umafik. I lived here. I'm not sure I get much homework done. Parents who will respect him. Our son, no! What is that? Parents who are warm. Here you go, North. Our steak dish, Eskimo pie. Hey, it's you. No, it's not. Parents who have style. Give him the emperor cut. Parents who have taste. <laughs> Parents who have old-fashioned values. Lord! Hang in there, kid. You'll find what you're looking for. But his real parents aren't taking this lying down. But I thought you looked familiar. Of course I look familiar. I'm almost famous. Elijah Wood, Dan Aykroyd, Reba McIntyre, Kathy Bates, Graham Greene, Alan Arkin, Kelly McGillis, Alexander Goodenow, John Lovitz, Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis, and Bruce Willis. What are you? Some kind of guardian angel? Easter Bunny. North. So, uh. <laughs> this film was released in the UK on July 29th, 1994. Uh, with a budget of 40 to 50 million. I guess they're kind of out on that. Maybe Rob Reiner uh, kept, 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 kept that a secret and only grossed. 12 million dollars so not not uh, not a tidy return for this film so no you mentioned josh that um this possibly was the first film you ever saw what were your kind of what were your memories of it growing up i fucking loved it when i was a kid like i loved this film um like yeah when i was growing up in a small town called Lewis down near Brighton. Um, I used to live around the corner from a little like local independent video store. And it was the kind of place where like after the age of, I don't know, like five or six, I could just walk there on my own and get anything I wanted if I had like a pound. And they used to occasionally sell off videos. And I think I remembered renting this and then renting it so many times that I eventually bought it. Like, (laughs) After spending, after spending like probably twenty quid on like renting out over various like various weeks, and then like a pound to buy it, and I just I remember watching it over and over again. Like we'll get into it later, but I had no memory really of what happened in this film, other than like the main premise. Like I didn't remember any of the parents, or and I didn't watch the trailer before watching it again. But everything that happened in it, like every scene 
was like a waking deja vu moment of like, I know, I I live this. Like, I know exactly, like, I remember that weird sound effect of a guy laughing during the bit where he's with the Parisian parents. And I remember that entire, like, Mm -hmm. I remember doing it. And I remember, I remember at some point my parents pissing me off and me delivering, I've got it written down. It's a bit where the the main antagonist of the film, Winchell, I think that's his name. I can't remember, but he's he says something along the lines of like, just because you were born twenty to thirty years earlier than me doesn't make you smart, doesn't make you right. It just makes you old. And I remember <laughs> shouting that at my parents at some point. I remember word for word. Wow. So like. This film had like a huge impact on <laughs> huge impacts on me. Um, That's a perfect yeah, child like, rebellion right there to, to 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 quote this film verbatim. Especially that. That's quite exactly. that's quite a biting biting thing to say. And it's a very that whole subplot we'll get into because it's it's fucking bananas. It's insane. So it's insane. Before we pick yeah. this one apart, I always like to ask my guests to kind of tell us what the film is about. So yeah, can you give us a brief synopsis of North, Josh? Yes, I can. Um, <clears throat> here's one I prepared earlier. Uh, Elijah Wood decides he hates his parents for reasons. So in a Macaulay Culkin-inspired move, decides to divorce them and find an even better family who appreciates him. He meets a wacky cavalcade of characters along the way, including a mysterious man initially dressed up as a bunny, who may or may not be both Bruce Willis and a guardian angel. Apparently, one of the worst films of all time. Can we confirm? <laughs> uh, I, I, oh, there, there's a lot of sticky points on this, because <laughs> I guess, sh- sh- should we, should we talk about the, the, the problematic stuff up the front uh, of this chat or, or, or bury the lead on that one. I guess, I guess we probably should. Well, I think right? we've teased it now. <laughs> we we've teased gonna... it. Yeah, let's not bury the yeah, obviously is... with, yeah. with that premise, especially with the kind of globe-trotting aspect of it going to all of these like mm. far-flung uh, locations, it is just a kind of excuse for the screenwriters and i imagine it's in the novel as well and mm. i imagine it can have a bit more nuance in the novel at least and kind of have a bit more like ju- like there's not yeah. issues in regards to casting and like obviously the amount of screen time that these different families get they just really mm. have to paint a picture as quick as possible but the way they do that is just relying on Lazy is probably a light way of saying racist <laughs> stereotypes that kind of it starts off kind of harmless, poking fun at like Texans and then Texans, kind of, yeah. Like if you're offended by that, it's like, well, hold on to your fucking pants because it's about <laughs> yeah. to get a lot fucking worse. This is about to be fucking you're about to enter a nightmare world of just like every just like the worst, like fucking Bernard Manning, fucking racist shit. Like anything you could have read in like a Cicopedia book. Like 
Do you know what I mean? Like, it's horrible. And it's, it's one of those things that, you know, obviously I've just said, I used to watch this film all the time and I loved it and I thought it was amazing. Like, looking at now, I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, <laughs> I, I'm amazed this hasn't done any, like, lasting damage because it's hideous. Like, where do they go? Texas? Hawaii. The, the country. Hawaii. Yeah, extremely bad. Alaska, which is uh, really bad because really, really bad. They cast Kathy Bates as an Indian <laughs> woman, and mm. then they cast um, who is who is, who is he? Tessio, <laughs> Tessio from The Godfather. Yeah, as as the as the grandfather. Like again, again, Be- and they're all they're all named. They, they they refer to themselves as Eskimos. They're like. Here's our local yeah. delicacy, which is Eskimo pie, which I believe yeah. is like a kind of American like sweet dish or something like that. I don't mm. know, it's maybe like a chocolate pie. I'm sure there's American listeners it's like like those. a meringue thing, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe or maybe not. And then where else? China, Africa. Uh. <laughs> I'm just listing places now. We we can we could dive into them a bit more. France, the Amish community at one point. And mm. and then it's like I think the final family is just like all American white picket fence. John Ritter as the dad and Scarlett Johansson as the younger sister, like uh, yeah, exactly. So like yeah, like a beautiful nuclear family, but all just the stuff in between Americas. that is just fucking absolutely I, I don't know, like uh, skin crawlingly awful. And it's kind of representation yep. of those cultures. <laughs> like, absolutely. It's, it's hideous. And that's such a good point about the screen time you were talking about. Because it's kind of like the weighting that they give to the families in terms of time. Like, you know, you've got Texas, which, which is like, that's a good five, ten minutes. Uh, Alaska's five, ten minutes. And then it reaches a point of like, China, we will give you one minute and you have to tell the most racist story you can. And then mm. where they go, Democratic Republic of Congo. Yes. And then the most racist 45 seconds I've ever seen. And then just like, well, and then France, which is like, I didn't even know that was a stereotype, but fine, we'll go with it. Like The, 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 the France section is just like, it is that kind of, and I think what makes it appealing to children is just that thing of like, it's so cartoonish in its racism mm. that like it's kind of like you just like it goes over your head in a way. And it's like, I imagine, and I think it's like, it's got to be said, it's really fucking bizarre for Rob Reiner as well. So this yeah. is Rob Reiner coming off of possibly like one of the, the like best run of films ever like in regards yeah, to I remember. His, his output mm, yeah i remember talking with jack about this on truly happily madison i can't remember why there was some film but he was involved maybe or he was in it something anyway yeah i remember it being like what is it it's like when harry met sally so um, it starts off with it depends how you look at it, but like, mm. yeah, there's Spinal Tap, The Sure Thing, and then it's Stand By Me, The Princess Bride, 
when mm. Harry met Sally, misery, a few good men, and then North. <laughs> the career killer. The, like, yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's hideous. Like, he, like, what did he see in the script and was like, yes. That, that's what this I, is what the world needs. This is, this is the next story my soul needs to tell. Like, fuck this. <laughs> so, let's, let's talk about some of the, 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 the elements you, you did enjoy. Is there any kind of things? Especially, mm. I remember... Like even now, I I really like the kind of opening to this film with the kind of all of the the snow globes and stuff like that. It's kind of mm. I was like you saying about that kind of lived in memory. I just found myself transported to because yeah, you watch this in the same way that I did in a in a eight part YouTube <laughs> for free version that somebody's uploaded, which is in the same ratio as like a vhs as well and like looks mm. like a vhs rip almost like terrible quality but i just felt yeah, like, like i was 140p i was i felt like <laughs> i was watching like a vhs tape again and i was kind of like this is really transporting me back like i should i don't mm. know yeah like and and i was like oh this is good and then i i well i pulled a clip of just kind of the juxtaposition this is like this is basically me waking up now to the fact of like, oh, we're not in for a good time, and it's kind of you go from this, yeah, yeah. I think this this clip speaks for itself. You want to know how to build a rocket and send a man into outer space? Don't come to me. Don't even ask me about it. If you I don't want to perform know. a delicate brain operation, I'm not your man. I don't want to talk about it. If, on the other hand, you have any questions whatsoever regarding the quality of a fine pair of pants, look Just no further. Just about it, I'm getting a money. Pants, pain. that's what I know. I know pants. All oh, kinds of pants. I did a day. Let me tell you something. So then he says to me, oh, yeah? What about chinos? So, yeah, we go from this kind of lush kind of score to basically <laughs> like this oppressive... Uh, Jason Alexander and Julia Louis Dreyfus just moaning about, and it's like I was like, "Oh mm. fuck, we're not in for a good time, are we?" <laughs> this isn't going to be good. It's also, yeah, what obviously something that completely went over my head as a kid is they just went like, "Oh yeah, Seinfeld's popular. <laughs> like fuck this. Like we'll just put them together." Yeah. Like, and also like how intensely like Jewish that first bit is as well of just like kvetching over a dinner table well, I, you know what i mean like I, I i think the character of north as well is just like he's like a neuro he's so neurotic about everything mm. like you don't yeah and i guess he is supposed to he, he's almost like played like he's a jewish kid right because you get the whole mm. thing that he's like the lead in fiddler on the roof as well like he's there kind of like yeah hey, yeah, yeah a rich man like he's doing all that on stage and you kind of get that thing of this amazing year he had and what like a kind of great kid he is but yeah it's it's very it's very bizarre in the way that it kind of it kind of opens up and then it's uh, to, uh, to jump into another clip i just want like to get this out of the way the Bruce Willis voiceover we get in this film. North was positive oh, he was yeah. having a coronary. I said, do you know who I am? 
Now, as a rule, 11-year-olds don't experience cardiac events. Well, in case you forgot, let me remind you who I am. But for North, this was a very stressful time. I'm number six! Yes, North was having a difficult time with his folks. And it was putting a damper on what was, in all other respects, a very successful life. How successful? Well, look at the year he'd had. <laughs> I really, I, <clears throat> I again intensely remember being like, oh, I understand that feeling. That's like when I go around to my North London family's house at Christmas and they all fucking argue over the dinner table. Like, and having that feeling of like, oh, cool. I know what it is to have a panic disorder age six. <laughs> you know, like, it's, yeah. What, what, it's deep, deep in there. What is it you think that might be like appealing to a kid about this film? Because like obviously like it kind of fits in the mold and I guess there's like films, I guess like Home Alone and Richie Rich, mm. like just listing um Coley Richie Company. Rich, another film I loved when I was a kid. Like yeah. but that they're, they're all this kind of idea of a child like kind of fantasy right yeah what is, what is it do you think that appeals to you and possibly to me as well kind of loving this film as a kid what what, what do you think the appeal is of north i think it's like it's it's weird isn't it because i feel like you still kind of get these kinds of films but you know they're kind of like ya films you know where like a kid becomes autonomous, but they go on like an adventure mm -hmm. or they, you know, they have like a special calling and save the world, etc. Whereas it, at this point in time, it feels like, yeah, you got Home Alone, um, North, uh, Richie Rich and like Blank Check. Yes. Yes. That's a, oh, fucking hell. That's a <laughs> shout, Blank Check. Yeah. <laughs> Another film I loved when I was a kid. But like all these films where it's just like, these kids, they don't go on wild adventures. Like, I guess North kind of does, but like, not really. It, it's just like they become, they just sort of become celebrities and they just become like, like, like the kid who is Richie Rich in this film, like Winchell again, he, like his fantasy is he becomes like, he becomes Richie Rich. Like all these kids are just becoming like these, these business people or like, fully autonomous they don't need parents they're really you know they're wise cracking and it's kind of like that kind of like attitude era of like gen x 90s mtv gener i'm just using a load of fucking buzzwords like, <laughs> but you know what i mean like it's that kind of yeah it's that weird nebulous time of being like parents suck like we're kids like it's bart simpsonification like i don't know what what I find it's bizarre strange. about this film, and I guess it is to that Winchell subplot, is this kind of like, mm. it's dystopian, right? This kind of world Super that dystopian. Winchell is trying to create in which parents are subservient to children. And there's like the imagery that's used as well. There's like a moment they kind of, without his knowing it, they've, they, they like, Viva la Norte that is their kind of slogan, mm. which I guess like Viva Nor, like. Mm. and then and then like they have like massive there's like almost like a allusions to citizen kane at one point where winchell's like giving a mm. speech and there's this massive picture of north behind him and he's he's got this his like kind of lackey partner in crime in all of it is this this like 
ambulance chaser lawyer played by John Lovitz of all people who to be honest, is, is perfectly cast as this kind of like perfect absolute I don't know cretin of a man who 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 will happily like <laughs> become business bedfellows with a fucking 11 year old boy yeah it, it's all very good yeah it you're right it is very dystopian and and depressing of like this is the you know like talking about those YA films um that come later where it's kind of like you want to save the world and you want to make places better and you know um hunger games etc like escape to a fantasy world whereas all these films are kind of like what's your fantasy my fantasy is to just be like rich and powerful i guess and to kind of be donald trumpy and to like extort people it's very strange it's a very strange time and in the third act of this it takes like a noirish tone as well that i'm <laughs> sure we'll dive deeper into like we'll, we'll, mm. have, a, we'll have a, a yeah like a big a, a big chat about that because that, that that's a bizarre kind of shift in it so like yeah back to the the stuff we enjoy i kind of do enjoy like the early stages of this like i think mm. i really like that speech we get from the voiceover even though the voiceover is kind of really fucking lackluster it feels like bruce Willis mm. didn't want to do it at all but just the description mm. we get of the like having your your like secret spot i, I really like that kind of like imagery and that idea yeah of, like, when he says well, to the to the unknowing eye, basically, he just looks like another kid waiting for his parents as he sits in this armchair as they do their Easter shopping and stuff like that. And then it just kind of takes a weird turn from then, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. Well, that's explained later <laughs> why why it takes such a weird fucking turn at that point. But well, yeah. Watching it back this time, did you kind of like? It's obviously got the imagery from that moment when they have that discussion that it is a dream sequence. Like, you kind of like, mm. I've got, yeah, I've got a clip of like, I'm not sure if it has sound effects on it to, to thingy, but like the, the visual imagery is kind of like goes all blurry. That kind of like every time there is a dream sequence in anything, like, uh, but I yeah. didn't spot that probably because of the absolute low quality of, this, <laughs> of the, the way we watch this. I was like, okay, it's just blurred a little bit. Fine, got you. Yeah, so, so the tone of the film is kind of is slightly heightened, but this gives you a thingy of how heightened the film becomes after that moment. <laughs> what a scoop! A kid becoming a free agent, then going around offering his services as a devoted son to the highest bidding set of parents. It's brilliant, North! Mwah! Simply brilliant! Look, this still isn't for sure yet. You know, this could be my Watergate. Winchell, you could have a two-page leaflet with a circulation of 90. Might even land me in Pulitzer. Hey, I told you this idea because you're my friend, not because you're editor of the school newspaper. I'm a journalist, North. So? So? You never said this conversation was off the record. Winchell, I need time to think. All right, all right. I'll hold the story. But, North, a few more displays like that Panther game, and some of the more attractive parents may start doing some thinking of their own. The damn Panther game. And, North, that geography test you took today... I, I guess the film as well, like from that moment, becomes like this kind of like 
like the way they speak is like this kind of forties, like that that moment is very like. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like the the way that um, North speaks, where he's like, oh, that that Panthers game. It's like that damn Panthers game. Like, do you know what I mean? Yes, yeah, true. The way Winchell's talking is like this could be my Watergate. He's like, maybe I get a Pulitzer, and he's like this real like kind of. <laughs> I don't know, like little little newspaper man. And I, I, what one thing I don't quite understand is why are they friends? Because like Winchell from the get go seems like an absolute dickhead. Yeah, but like, does Winchell exist? Oh, oh, that's a. These are all these questions that are now like, you know, because he, he you mentioned the film noir bit, like. And he chats with, oh, what's the name of the guy? Adam. Yes. Adam, he meets him under a bridge or something. I'm like, I don't remember him before the dream sequence. Is he real? But like Winchell, I have no idea if he's real. Or like John Lovitz, is he real? I think the thing is, he like Winchell is mentioned before. Oh, like, is he? In a negative light, because he's like, oh... Like, you didn't even listen to me when I told you about what Winchell did to me today. So it's like, mm. he's obviously done something negative negative to North. So, like, mm. why is, like, now in his fantasy, Winchell's, like, his best friend? When he's like, yeah, he's an absolute little arsehole. Like, he's a real, like, yeah. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't condone, like, kind of hitting children. But Winchell is one that I would love to be <laughs> a fucking clown. Do you know what I mean? Just flip around the edge. But... Come on, mate. You're 11. Chill the fuck out. Chill the fuck out. Stay away from those Pulitzers. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awful. Like, I don't know who that kid's supposed to be. That Yeah, you're right. Very good point of, like, he has mentioned before. I did not pick up on that because I was like, Winchell, that's a weird name. Fine. Ignore it. But, like, he, he's nice. He's, it would have been nice. He's the antagonist Sorry. of this film, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, number one antagonist. Um, which is nice, I guess. He's kind of like, you know, an opportunist. Um, you know, North North is like, he's a good boy and all he wants is to be appreciated. But Winchell, it's all about financial gain and becoming president, I guess, or whatever. Yeah, Or, or making John Lovitz president. And and being basically being like a, a sock puppet president where it's like Winchell's <laughs> like kind of in control, but like he's got John Lovitz as like the face of it. And it's like mm. and in this world that they're trying to create, like the logic of it doesn't work as well, because it's kind of like as I said, like parents are subservient to their children. Yet mm. we see plenty of moments where like parents are kind of or adults are out like enjoying themselves and like d d doing stuff that adults would do when it like when it comes to the moment where there's like a kind of restaurant cabaret night and bruce willis mm. is performing on stage there's like a room full of adults and stuff like that and you'd imagine in this kind of world that winchell has created using north as the poster child like all of these parents would be too scared or all of these adults would be too like there's a there's a horror movie in this right of the almost like children of the corn like all the parents are like at home frightened for their lives because they're controlled by these brats because they're worried that they're going to get emancipated 
that's a really good point that I didn't put together. But yeah, you're right. There wouldn't be anyone in that fucking theater, or it should have should have just been like exclusively old people, like people mm. who had grown up kids, yeah. or you know, like, or it could have been an audience full of children, yeah, like which would, sitting with. Yeah, like I know it was what was it National Smoke Alarm Conference or whatever, but like, <laughs> yeah, it could have been the kids were like chaperoning the parents or something, but it just doesn't. And the the scene where it's like, oh, I'm going to go to New going to go to New York now, and it's like horrible. It's like the worst version of New York I've ever seen on like cinema. Yeah, it's 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 uh it's that scene from Home Alone when he realizes that New York's like once the kind of the sheen of New York settled <laughs> for Kevin McAllister and he's like like I think someone says to him, you don't want to go in the park at night kid or like he tries to get in a cab and he's like it's terrible out there. He's like it's not too much better in here kid and stuff like that. Yeah. And, wants, and there's like there's like sex workers kind of going your last little kid is that new york is that very much like it's that yeah and the, it's just horrible and, the, and then to add into that what, what makes it really fucking bizarre is that winchell has an assassin like <laughs> trailing north which i find like something i didn't really remember i really vividly remember the kind of bait and switch with the uh, with the cap yeah, with the cap. I remember that as well, yeah. I remember Borscht. Borscht is like <laughs> thrown into my brain. And as soon as they said that word, I was like, oh, God. <laughs> it all came running back. I remember asking my parents, can we have Borscht? And then being like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, <laughs> And him being like, Borscht is a beetroot soup, typically served chilled with a dollop of sour cream. I'm like, fuck this baked into my memory all of this hate it yeah i just don't remember like feeling the gravity of that as a kid as well just thinking it was like a fun jape where like watching it now as an adult it's like this is really fucking dark yeah they sent a fucking assassin like and also how you kind of mentioned it earlier like it the film just fucking takes a complete tonal shift i can't remember what's happening in the scene before but suddenly it's just like cut cut to north running for his life and bruce willis being like north was running for his life and it's just like yeah all right i guess well it, it literally winchell has found uh, it literally goes from winchell saying like i'm gonna send someone after him to him like <laughs> running yeah with like a fucking <laughs> like someone shooting at him and it is God, terrifying him. It, like Oh, it's yeah, it's it's kind of it's it's a it's a very bizarre film, and like the, mm. the middle the middle section, like with the kind of like going around the place. I think that's what I would have found fun as a kid. Just this kind of mm. like travelogue, uh, look at the world and stuff like that. But like as an adult, I'm like this. This doesn't. This does not work for one. It's kind of like it's. It's really episode. You don't like one. I don't care mm. about. I don't care about any of the characters in this. I think no. North is possibly like a bit of an ungrateful little kid. Do you know what I mean? Like 
He's a piece of shit. North is a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> right. Like, elaborate, elaborate. I want to hear all about this, Josh. He's just, I fucking, I hate him. Like, little overachieving fuck. And then he's just like, my parents don't take me seriously because I'm the best child. And like, and also all the other parents being like, well, North tidies his room. North gets straight A's or whatever. It's like, how is this kid not being... Everyone loves him in the school as well. All the other kids love him. Why are the kids not like fucking bullying him every day for just being like such a goody-goody, just like... Although he doesn't seem to be like lording it over people. But then he is also like, I'm the best kid and I need the best parents. Yeah. In like a low-key way. Like... Yeah... And he's super, I don't know. He's super high maintenance as, as well, right? Like, let, shall, mm. like, let's discuss the kind of the issues he has with the places that the parents he's kind of uh, appointed to. So, the, oh. first of all, it's the Texan family, right? Like, what's the what? What's I their think deal, he's John? fair. He's fair, and he's fair to want to get out of that place because because because. Um, the Texans, they are oil rich. Dan Aykroyd and, oh, what's her name? Reba. She's a country singer, is all I know. And she appears Reba. in The Little Rascals as the, like, mm. I think as the announcer or, like, yeah, the announcer at the race at the end as well. Like, she's very distinctive. Fuck. And gets a song. So before we dive into the Texans and the issues North has with them, let, let, let's, let's hear a little bit of them. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah, but now we'd like to show you how much we're looking forward to having you as our new son. Ready, Paul? Ready, Ma. We had a son who was trampled by a ton of longhorns. But you're here, cutes, to fill his boots as flat as they may be. You'll yell your P.I.O. at the rodeo till the day's done. Then you'll make a lot of pals with buffalo gals. Just leave some for me. Hey there. We'll barbecue steaks and soup. Feed you pumpkin pie till you can bigger than. You'll grow tall and play football, be famous. You'll grow more on a chain of stores, Mary Betty Lou. Oh, North, North, North Roma. Another rib, son? So that is Reba McIntyre <laughs> who plays Martin. Reba McIntyre. Yeah, so what, what's, what's, his uh, beef? what's his beef with the Texans, Josh? What's his beef? His beef, his beef is that Partex loves everything to be the biggest and best that it can be. So he's like, you're the best kid. Now I'm going to make you the biggest. So I'm going to feed you. <laughs> I'm going to feed you until you become morbidly obese. It's so strange. And the fact that their previous child, they made him so obese that he couldn't escape from a stampede or that's what it's hinted. It's so weird. Also, when they started playing that song, I was like, oh, they, again, another thing that's absolutely just like lodged solid in my head in my brain is that fucking song <laughs> and how much it also 
I remember being like, why is my favorite song in South Park the What Would Brian Boitano Do song? And it sounds exactly the fucking same. <laughs> They're basically the same fucking song. But yeah, so that I guess that's his beef is that he doesn't want to he doesn't want to die. <laughs> Which and like fair enough. Yeah, and like well, it get, it gets kind of like quite existential because he's like, I don't want to live in the shadow of like a son mm. you've already had and stuff like that. And obviously each kind of like uh well at least for the longer sequences when he's visiting these families, they're punctuated by these encounters with another bruce willis playing like a kind of tertiary yeah. character this time he plays gabby kind of farmhand uh who he, yeah he just has like a kind of debrief and goes like gives him a pearl of wisdom where it'll be like yeah that's a real tough bond you got yourself in there kid <laughs> you don't want to be living in the shadow of no man and i'm giving I, I, i'm giving bruce willis that accent he does not he does not do no <laughs> he plays the whole film as bruce willis yeah um so let's talk about the beef with the second family the hose the governor and governess i guess of uh hawaii he, <laughs> he, he, he doesn't want his image to be used on a billboard in which his butt is repeatedly exposed mm. for for reasons that are like hawaii is sad hawaii has a chip on its shoulder because people go there on holiday and it's not taken seriously <laughs> they, yeah they have a chip on their shoulder that at any given opportunity adam sandler will film a film <laughs> <laughs> he, will, he will bring his entire fucking family over and just and for, oh, jesus christ god that's so true yeah like maybe that yeah they failed with getting north so they just employed adam sandler as like their de facto tourism board like fucking hell uh, so uh I, I pulled a clip from the hose just because i found it very biz this is another kind of bizarre thing to say in a kid's movie. You wouldn't happen to have a dead kid whose shoes you want me to fill, would you? <laughs> dead kid? North, Hawaii is a lush and fertile land. In fact, there's only one barren area on all of our islands. Unfortunately, it's Mrs. Hole. I fucking, I wrote that down, just being like, what the fuck is that line? <laughs> like... It's it's something that would have totally gone over my my head as a kid, like the fact that yeah. like, I would have had no idea what like being barren would have meant. But like obviously no. as an adult, you're like, so they they're talking about Mrs. Ho being infertile in a kids movie like that. Like it's so bizarre. Also, it's like. You know, I get it. Kids' films have jokes for the adults in it too, for the parents. Yeah, fine. But that one is just like, it's not funny. And <laughs> it's like, it's played like a joke. And it's just it's quite bleak. It's, so, it's bleak. It doesn't work on any level. It's pitched. Like, it doesn't work for kids. It doesn't work for adults. It's just sad, but is like, ah. Uh... Yeah, it just it, it's a real failure. There are a few moments like that. Like another bit that I remember is John Lovitz and Winchell are having like a massage, and someone brings in like they go, "Oh, Diet Coke for you," and a Sex on Beach 
sex on the beach for you? And he's like, aren't I naughty? And it's like, <laughs> no. Who is that for? <laughs> like, this film is for kids younger that kind of have, you know, they probably don't have the concept of what sex, let alone sex on the beach is. Uh-huh. And then... And uh, adults are just like, what? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, carrying on on our beef train, um, what is his issue with the the Inuit family that he goes to, to, to stay with? I think this is a another... Well, let's talk about that kind of... Because I think this is probably the mo- like, the start of it being deeply, deeply problematic in regards to representation, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is when it goes bad. Like, all starts going... You start getting an inkling. Because, yeah, for a while, again, watching it in such low quality, I was like, who is that playing the... What? Is that Kathy Bates? Browned up as well. She's like... Browned she, up. Then... And, and, and then, like, just the whole thing of... Uh, what is it? Like, just, like, yeah, their ultimate pastime is to do ice fishing in the middle of their lounge, which has, like, yeah. okay. Um... <laughs> The, the the aforementioned Eskimo pie, and then just kind of, I guess, being like deeply insensitive to Inuit traditions as well in regards mm. to, I guess it's like a like a an elder rite of passage similar to mm. is it the Herga in Midsummer? Once, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> once the a, big Midsummer hammer. Yeah, once uh, once the the elders are over the hill, they are put out to pasture. In this case, on an iceberg that is equipped with a a lazy boy chair and a TV. Yeah, and like a ticket system, and yeah, it's hideous. Like it, this <laughs> whole section is hideous, and also one that even after watching it, like. You know, you saying like, "What's his beef here?" I'm like, I don't remember. Like, all I remember about this bit is me being like, "Is that Kathy Bay? Is that Tessio? Is this is all horrible?" And that's all I took away from it. I don't remember any. It's like I have some sort of psychic damage, or I've taken some sort of psychic damage from it. Well, I think his beef is he morally objects to the elders being like, kind of like, like taken out of the community and like. It basically mm. has it just has a fundamental issue with with the traditions of the Inuit people. And then mm. that sequence as well has like a real like you're talking about like jokes that don't work. It it has like a real again, it feels I don't know, not it feels lazy one in regards to writing, but then yeah, like it it feels offensive. I'm not sure if it is, just the whole thing about like Oh, you've like been walking for seven weeks. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. I don't, this is it. Feel it. I think it's just like a, 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 the whole section has been offensive. It's like, feel this feels weirdly offensive too. And it's like, <laughs> yes, but like the, the just like yeah. I think kind of rationalizing it as I'm speaking and thinking. It's like that thing of, oh, aren't these people weird that they live in this place where it's daylight for 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 like eight weeks and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, and just North's reaction is like, oh, I wondered why we stopped for lunch 29 times or something like that. And like, it's just like, oh, fuck off. 
Fuck off, you little, <laughs> little shit. I know. It's like, yeah. It only gets better. North's racial sensitivity <laughs> and cultural <laughs> sensitivity. It... So yeah, what where where's he go next, and what's his beef Wait. there? Is it is it the Amish people next? Amish community where he literally touches down, doesn't he? And then, mm. touches down, and then they're like, "These are our three children." Ezekiel, is it Ezekiel or is it Elijah? It's one of them, either of those. And then these are our three children who are called Art. And then I was just like, nah, <laughs> I hate, I like technology. Goodbye. And then, and then and that's it. Then Done. The, did you say the, uh, is it? I think it's China and oh, then, yes. yeah, China first, which is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> horrible. He sat up there. Ah, oh, yeah, in sort of traditional royal garb, mm-hmm. right? Like imperial, imperial China garb. And then they're all like praising him. And then his issue is that he doesn't want to have a haircut, which is being given from, again, an extremely racist like menu mm-hmm. of haircuts yeah, or hairstyles. Yeah, and that's where he draws the line. It's like a bald with a ponytail, right? And it's like, give him the emperor cut. And it's like, yeah. what are you going on? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, and again, that is supposed to be played as a joke, right? Where it's yeah. supposed to be like, oh, aren't these cultures weird? Oh, I think you've dropped out. So I think you dropped out a second there. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just said like the joke is supposed to be, aren't these cultures weird? Uh, where does he move to? Yeah, from China he moves to the democratic. China he goes to Democratic Republic of Congo, but as it's called in this, because of the time, I guess it's Zaire. But uh, <laughs> and he's. I don't even want to talk about it. Like, it's so bad. It's just like, he just goes into the middle of a jungle. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just topless people. And then he stares at his new mum's boobs and goes, I wouldn't be able to get much work done. And then that's it. Cut, cut scene. Move on to the cut next scene. Thing. And then... Like... <sighs> And then he goes to the Nelsons, it. right? The the uh, the all American. He's got Paris in between, I think. Oh yes, Paris yeah. is there somewhere. Yes, it is. Paris. With the stupid, like he watches a, all they're doing is watching TV and it's comedy and they're smoking at him and like yeah, fine. Wasn't aware, as I said earlier, I think like wasn't aware this was a stereotype, but fine, I'll go with it. Like. It's just right. so lazily painted and characterized, right? They're wearing berets, <laughs> roller neck sweaters. They're kind of like, yeah, their apartment looks pretty cool. Like, do you know what I mean? Just like, like nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but where's where are the croissants and where's the like I don't know <laughs> adultery? Like they they haven't gone all the way. 
Yeah, where's the bag? A, a baguette and like a load of garlic yeah. knocking about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they fucked it. I'm, yeah, I'm sure in like the book, his issue would be like, they tried to get me to eat frog's legs. Ugh. Absolutely. Snails. Ugh. Ugh. Aren't the French people weird? Which is like, <laughs> is basically like the message of this film. It's like, aren't foreigners weird? Yeah, it really, like, yeah. Because that's the thing. It's like, he only really goes to one family who sort of in a similar social position in a recognizably similar social position to his own family which is the final family that he goes to all the rest are kind of like you know the texans are painted as sort of like out of town hicks Mm -hmm. everyone else is a racist caricature and it you know it's like and that family, the all-American wasp one, is the like upper middle class, like, oh, he's a what is he, a pediatrician or something? Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, he's so noble. And that's the only one that maybe he'll go for. Yeah, and even that because one, yeah. you, you go. You no, go. no, you go on. I was gonna say, even that one, it's like, even then, like there's something not right about this. I need to be alone. Um yeah. I pulled a clip of that family just because one like it, it shows you I don't know how they kind of dropped the ball on this one but there's a line <laughs> delivery from uh, a, a very young Scarlett Johansson that mm. that makes no sense. It is it is <laughs> it's got a blue wiggly line in my notes where I wrote this line down. So great having you here, North. I've always wanted a brother to throw to. Yeah, now I have two big brothers to look out for me. Hey, I know we're all excited to have North as part of our family, but he hasn't decided if he wants to stay with us yet. Come on, North, you gotta stay. Yeah, we really want you. Help yourself. We very want you, is the line that she says. We very want you. We very want you. Which is like, did they not think to like go again? Say, hey, Scarlet, like, at least your first movie, but like, this is this forty to fifty million dollars being put into this. Like, we really want you to stay. Is the line that's written on the paper? Not we very want you, unless it's supposed to be there to like mark like she's so cute. She can't even speak properly, but she again, she looks about eight years old. Like she should be able to say, "Church should be saying, I very want you." (laughs) Maybe they were just like that. Take was perfect for everything apart from this child, I suppose. But you know what? We spunked all the money on like that giant fucking limo that the Texans had, and now there's nothing else. Like I was just thinking about the budget when. When you said what it was forty to fifty million, uh huh. Where is it? I I I think it's in a lot of like people's pockets. Bruce Willis, reckon? I reckon he, he he cut a check. I reckon it's just. But then again, is there an element of like Rob Reiner just pulling in favors from like people he knows and like friends in regards to this film? Like, is there like you? Go away, Siri. I don't want you right now. Uh, yeah, is there a, a, an element of him just going, "Hey, Alan Arkin, be in this. Hey, this person. I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know what John Lovitz is kind of like um, 
paycheck is like in 1994. He was also in mm. uh, Trapped in Paradise with Dana Carvey and Nicolas Cage this year. Mm. So, uh, it's a big year for a big big Johnny Lovitz. <laughs> big Johnny Lovitz. <laughs> yeah. So um, before he joins the Adam Sandler money train, like that that that. That that's, it feels like a good jumping off point to, for me to ask you this, Josh. Do you feel like North is a film that is below Happy Madison in any way? Like, do, do you know what I mean? Like, it, it's kind of it feels like, especially in the the portrayal of kind of mm. other cultures, that that they would they would embrace this film as a Happy Madison production in a way. I honestly could, I could see it. I could absolutely see it. It wouldn't be the same in tone. Um, I think you could take this exact plot and just make it like fucking Nick Swardson as like a man baby. Yes, that's exactly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and him just being like, I don't want to live with you. But he's like 20 and uh-huh. is divorcing it, or like 30 something and he's divorcing his parents. And they're like, we don't want your son. And he's like, well, fuck you. I'm going to find a new family. And then goes around. Like, yeah. or it, it feels very Joe Dirty, actually, now that I think about it. You would have, like, I reckon you would have Rob Schneider playing the, like, the Inuit, like one of the yeah. Inuit people, like, you know, uh, like parents. I'm trying to think like things that Happy Madison would throw into like a version of this. They would, for some reason, angry animal attack, angry yeah, animal attack. I was gonna say in every single place, somebody gets cummed on by like a bull <laughs> in Texas or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, weird. Like, it's a weird thing with that. Like, it feels uh, like... Steve Buscemi does something weird. Um, uh, he could be in the New York section. Yes, in the park or something. I think I, I think uh, Steve Buscemi would. I don't, I'm trying to think who would would Christopher Walken almost play his like click role? Is click like the closest to to North? Right? Like yeah, I think it is actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, click has, click has got to be it. Oh my god! Yeah, this is like a click Joe Dirt hybrid. Um, oh, I forgot. Yeah, I forgot about the twists in Click. It's the same. It's the same. <laughs> it's the same. He's in a furniture store. Fuck. Okay. Yeah. This is, well, I don't know if it'd be Chris. Are you thinking Christopher Walken as Bruce Willis? Yeah, I try to is think. That what you're thinking? Yeah, I try to think. Would he? Would he crop up as the? Or would it be maybe like a a Happy Madison mainstay? Do you know what I mean? Would it be like a I Ke- think... Kevin Nealon or someone like that? No, not sure. I reckon it would be if we're talking if if this is a big mainline uh-huh. Happy Madison film. I'm seeing Adam Sandler as the guardian angel, yes. or Chris Rock. Uh huh. Could be Chris Rock actually. Adam Sandler playing both the mum and the dad <laughs> yes. of Nick Swardson. Um. Oh, Texans. Uh, Kevin James. And Salma Hayek, Eskimo, Rob Schneider, Jackie Sandler, and oh, I reckon we've got to save Jackie for the okay. we save Jackie for the final family. Yes, 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 for the Nelsons and the 
oh, I can't remember her name. We talk about her all the time on, or we did on Truly Happily Madison, but like she's in the house bunny and she plays um, a character who just says Idaho over and over again. Oh no, she says it once, but we said it. <laughs> What's her name? Sorry. Searched house bony. That's not how you spell anything. I need to find her name. Anyway, I think she would be a, she's not really a mainstay, but she's in a lot of, she's in the background in a lot of, um, uh-huh. A lot of them. Yeah. Um, try, try, like they would just, I didn't, it is weird, isn't it? That like, you would think that like moving forward. Cause I, I know at the time when North came out, like it, um, it was not reviewed well, like in America, no. the kind of big daddies of, of film criticism, Cisco and Ebert, like, like, Roger Ebert wrote, I hated this movie. Hated, 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 hated this movie. Hated it. it hated right. every simpering, stupid, vacant, audience insulting <laughs> moment of it. Hated the sensibility that thought anyone would like it. Hated the implied insult to the audience by its belief that anyone would be entertained by it. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> him and him and him and Siskel kind of really gave it a fucking like beating when it came to like reviewing it on their show they both mm. listed it as their worst film of 1994 in their kind of year end lists at the uh both yeah roger ebert at the chicago sun times and uh gene siskel at the chicago tribune and this yeah like this hit this hit a good few uh end of year lists in worst uh it was on the william arnold seattle post intelligentsia it was on the betsy pickle not knoxville new sentinel top Mm. 10 worst and uh yeah a couple of dishonorable mentions from a couple of other papers and was nominated for some awards there's something we don't talk about normally on what awards so everybody's favorites i know i know by the time this episode releases they may have happened already or they're, they're mm. about to happen but the golden raspberries do you want to have a oh cool do you have a little guess or it was nominated for one two three four five six nominate like six categories what 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 do you want to have a guess at which categories they would have been mm. What is it? There's one that's like worst on-screen pairing, right? Or worst... It's not nominated for that. It's No. Shall I tell you and you can guess who... Oh, who? Who the nominees <laughs> yeah, yeah. were. So worst actor. Who do you think was nominated for worst actor, Josh? Hmm. It's got to be either Elijah or Bruce, right? Like... It's Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis, yeah. He was nominated, did not win. <laughs> Worst supporting actor. Uh, John Lovitz. Dan Aykroyd was nominated. Dan Aykroyd! Again, did not win. Worst yeah, fair supporting enough. actress. Mm, um, Kathy Bates. Yeah, you know. Was it? Nominated, did not win. Uh, Worst screenplay. Obviously, we've mentioned those two. Uh, it's 
Andrew Scheinman and Alan Zweibel. So mm. you you reached out to Alan Zweibel <laughs> a, a while ago, Josh, to ask him a question about this film. What is it? What? What? Why were you compelled to reach out to him? What did you say to Alan Zweibel? You know what? Honestly. I can't remember why I reached out to him. I have a feeling that that was on a night that I went and saw Jack, my truly happily Madison um, co-presenter, years before we were making the podcast. And I just think we were talking about it. Maybe as when you were saying about um, Ebert's, re Ebert's review and saying like, I hated, 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 hated. I think that's why we were talking about it because maybe he, he had just died or something. For some reason we were talking about that and then he was saying, oh, you know that that's a quote from the North review. And I was like, oh, I love North. And then we must have gotten onto it. But then anyway, long story, I um for some reason, I wanted to see if I could get the screenplay for North. <laughs> and to, put, um, to put this in context as well, this tweet was sent at twelve twenty one p.m. So the, I think this is, I think this is like maybe like a, a lunchtime kind of get, getting a bit hungry and kind of being like, do you know what? I'm just 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 popping for my lunch. Do you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna tweet at. Alan's white belt to find out if uh, the North screenplay is available anywhere. Yeah, what's even worse is that this is the time where if you put a dot before someone's at, it would show to everyone, which is what I have done. So I obviously <laughs> wanted everyone to, to see that I was tweeting the writer of North <laughs> and asking if he could make the North screenplay available. Um, anyway, an hour and... Um, 20 minutes later, he replied, <laughs> saying, I'm sure it's available somewhere online. <laughs> to which I said, I've been searching and searching and searching and can't find it anywhere. Sad cry face. To which he said, try the USC film library. Unfortunately, it was not there. What I love about I wish I remembered why this had happened. <laughs> like, anyway, sorry. What I love about this is in this Twitter thread, you you flat out ask him, can he email it to you? And <laughs> his response, I, I just find there's something like beautiful and sad in his response. He says, sorry, we did that movie over 20 years ago. I don't have a copy on my computer. Try Castle Rock. Is it like, like almost like shirking responsibility of like, I, I've kind of any any semblance of kind of having any affection for that film. It's like, I, I burnt all the copies. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's gone. Yeah. It doesn't exist anymore. Do you know what? I was looking at that thread and um, it cut off before that point. So I didn't even remember that I'd asked him to email it to me. Fuck's sake. Um, yeah, no, that's just very sad. It, yeah, he obviously, he seems like a man who's just like, I, I wash my hands of this movie. There is nothing like... But maybe it's not that deep. Maybe it's not that deep. Maybe it is just like a very, very old film. Well, but, he is yeah. on cameo, so maybe I will. I will <laughs> I'll see how much he's how much he's charging, and I'll get him to talk about North in a cameo oh if God. it's not too expensive. But yeah, his his Twitter profile lists um, that he is a comedy yeah comedy writer, author, playwright, all around great guy. 
but, but his list Sus. of credits in his bio list SNL, Kirby Enthusiasm, and the Gary Sands and for Gary uh Gary Shandling. So like mm. I guess I guess there's things he's a, a bit more proud of than um the north and right, rightfully so but i guess i don't know he wrote the book right so so he must have some he affection. did write the fucking book yeah he like... must have some affection for it i don't know he also has <laughs> open dms so maybe i may i may try and is it i may try and uh interview him about this film uh, incredible uh ed out edit out any any kind of slight no i don't think i've been disparaging to uh, <laughs> Bell at all. i think i don't know uh, let's blame let's blame the other screenwriter for some of the stuff in this I, I haven't read your book alan if you're listening so i don't know if the problems are uh down to the other writer um andrew Scheinman or rob reiner but again uh, mm. please come on my podcast alan please I please th- <laughs> Yeah, I think for sake of that interview, um, it was everyone else who was responsible for the for the absolute abhorrent racism <laughs> displayed in this film th- from start to finish. Right. Yeah. So. Um, but, yeah. So yeah, should we talk about the kind of closing closing act of this film and how how it wraps up? So once he leaves and he kind of goes to New York, we've talked about the the chase sequence of uh, kind of goon trying to trying to get and, and that's after the fact he's been presented with a clearly doctored tape which i have a clip of here so after good. all you two have been through what would you most like to say to your son we don't want you how can you say that he's your son he's not our son aren't you bothered by the prospect of never seeing your son again nah that's okay isn't this a gut-wrenching torturous emotional experience not for me. He's not our son. We don't want you. I, I'm just, <laughs> I'm confused how, how like short his attention span is that he can't see that they've just recycled like a line from each of his parents again in the exact same delivery. Uh, yeah. It, uh, and he must. It's not- very good, isn't it? He must know if his dad has an affectation to his voice that he can't pronounce the word you and pronounces it Hugh as well. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's all fucking dumb. Like, it obviously dumb, but like... It, this raises another question about mm-hmm. the dream. Yes. The fact that all of this is a dream. Is North dreaming all of the scenes that he's not present for? I'm guessing so. Yeah, I'm guessing he's dreaming the fact that in his dream there is Winshaw kind of having this like weird dictatorship that he's trying to control. Mm. There is this thing that he orchestrates uh, an interview where his parents like genuinely say, "Give us another chance," and they they doctor it to be like he dreams about a. a kind of shady assassin coming to kill him in yeah. central park like yeah he dreams he dreams all of it like I, I i don't like the fact that he couldn't dream up culturally appropriate people to play <laughs> to play to play people from certain cultures like 
Poor form, yeah. North. Poor form. That's another reason why I think North is a piece of shit, because all of this racist stuff came from his brain. Yeah. Like, he thinks that Hawaiian people are ashamed of their nation. Or, do you know, like, everything that happens in this film, he thinks. <sighs> Horrible. But yeah, I was just like, yeah, totally. You said it. But like, why is he dreaming? Like, he's dreaming his parents love him and then it's edited. But then him in the dream doesn't know that it's edited. Like, uh -huh. I love it. <laughs> I love a story. <laughs> I love plot. It, yeah, it does take this weird turn. And I get it. Like, again, sort of dreamy. Like, it turns into a nightmare. It's gone too far. Yeah, it's like that monkey. But it is super insane. Sorry. It's like that monkey paw situation, right? Like, be careful what you mm. wish for. Because, like, it will always have, like, a caveat to it. That it won't be, like, the kind of, I don't know, you make the genie's wish, but someone's got to die because of it or whatever like it's yeah, all gonna turn else? on you all, all the kids are gonna turn on you because you've actually learned the error of your ways that you want to just return to your to your your parents who are probably that's the thing he doesn't factor in that like his dad's probably stressed trying to sell all these trousers and stuff like that like <laughs> it, it kind of really discounts the facts and gives a really poor message to children that like that their ch their parents should always be unflappable and infallible, whereas like I don't mm. know, I think like what's good about like decent films for kids is it shows you that parents can be like make mistakes and stuff like that. As a as a, as a parent myself, I'm very much mm. look towards stuff that like I don't know, yeah, won't won't damage. I guess my whole thing of being a parent now is just like. With everything, actions that I do, things that I show him, like I don't, I just don't want to destroy his life. So <laughs> I guess, like, yeah, in the kind of media yeah. I show him, it's like sh showing him stuff and like the way I act and being like, hey, I can make mistakes. Whereas this film is just a terrible message for kids and like your parents should be great at all times. If not, threaten them with emancipation exactly. and you'll get your own way. It's insane. And it's also like, what you'd also expect from a film like this is if they have been kind of like uncaring or whatever, they would kind of earn him back by being caring. Mm -hmm. And they don't at any yeah. point. They don't, they don't do anything. All they do is like, they, they go to sleep for... I don't know when this starts and when Labor Day is, but like... I think like, how like long the, has elapsed? The fourth of July, so I think it's like July to September. I think it's supposed oh, to okay. take up because yeah, there's that whole sequence where it's like you were being for seven weeks in Alaska, right? Like, yep, yep. Taking taking uh, Tessio to his death. <laughs> yeah, that's where he went after betraying the family. <laughs> like, <laughs> um. Oh, what was my point? I had point. But yeah, they've just been asleep for for however many weeks, like two months or whatever. And then they wake up, they immediately get kidnapped. Like, fine, they're trying to find him. And then they record that video, like, again, fine. But there's nothing of them, like... Well, actually, no, I've realised... 
I've, <laughs> I've realized what I've done. It's not real. It's not fucking real. Nothing that's <laughs> happening is real. Like, <laughs> I realized what I've done. I've gone down an argument thinking any of this was happening, but it's not. Like, they did, they did do normal things. They tried ringing hospitals and they went around like usual places, like <laughs> because he was missing. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> very nearly lost a grip on reality there. Yeah, because I need the inception. Obviously, in the dream, he kind of uh, he has this like race against the clock once being delivered by Bruce Willis's FedEx driver to his front doorstep. <laughs> has a confrontation with Winshaw, who's like, "They're at your secret spot." The judge is there, surrounded by clocks. <laughs> judge is there, and then like, if he's not there by midday, he's kind of sent to an orphanage, which is again <laughs> bizarre. A bizarre set of I love it. I love the law. I love the law. It's like you have to literally be in the parents' arms, both arms of both parents. Yeah. Otherwise, it's not real, and you get sent directly to the orphanage. I also, I had also completely forgot about how the dream sequence ends. It's fucking and harrowing, it, right? It blew my mind. <laughs> like where he's sprinting to get to his secret hiding spot, which, as we mentioned before, is like the the sofa area of a department store. And um, he gets there, he's got 10 seconds to spare, and he's running in slow motion. His parents, um, George and Elaine, are running towards him in slow motion, and they jump up over a sofa. And just as they do, it's revealed that the hitman assassin has been sat there in direct view of the judge for this entire time and just pulls the fucking gun and shoots him. Yeah. <laughs> Cut to like him waking up and Bruce Willis going, Hey, kid, you, you, need, a lift. you need a ride home? You need a lift. And then, and then he tells like, and then, and then it does that kind of inception thing as well on us as well. That he pulls mm. out the coin that Gabby shot a hole through, and then we're like, we're left at the end, like being like, "Oh, what actually happened? Like, was it a? Yes, it was a fucking dream. We know it's a dream. So, like, I don't know why that, like, kind of, I don't know, like, talisman of like his dream is kind of seeped into the real world for some weird reason." I want to posit an alternate theory. Okay, let's hear it. It's all real. <laughs> it's not really an alternate theory. It's all real. And the point that he wakes up is the point of his death. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Because that's the only way it makes sense. Yeah. In death, he gets his kind of... Uh, he gets his idealized version of his parents. Yeah, I hadn't. I'd, exactly. Why had I not thought about? That? Like exactly, he still has the coin. His guardian angel, like Bruce Willis, is a supernatural force. That uh -huh. is, that's fact throughout the entire film. He he is his guardian angel helping him, and then in death he acts like you know the ferryman taking him to his final resting place. Yeah. This is in his little car, this, his little car boat. This film is basically Jacob's Ladder, kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is it. We've, like, we've cracked the case on this. Maybe this <laughs> this episode was my Watergate. Like, we, we've, 
we have really we have we we have really like do you know what I mean we we are we are Robert Redford and uh, Dustin Hoffman really like we've traipsed we've traipsed the streets we've knocked on doors we've followed the money and we figured out that uh, North is just uh, North yeah. is just fucking dead man yeah, he's just North, dead North's dead and this film is <laughs> Jacob's Ladder for kids and uh, Click is just a, a a remake for idiots. <laughs> is actually, I think you'll find Click is the Galaxy Brain remake of this. Okay. okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. No. Yeah, I don't know. Like, that's the only way I can make it make sense of, like, unless he's always had that coin and it's, for some reason, makes it into his dream. Like, yeah, I, or... I, I would be, like... See, I have no idea, like, because the, the, the book doesn't have a Wikipedia page, which is awfully, al- awfully alarming. Uh, <laughs> and I'm sure, I'm, I hope that the, that ending is in the book and, like, there's, there's mm. a, a North devotee who's listening to this and, like, I'm sure they would have switched off by now if, if <laughs> they are listening and be like, you, you fucking slandered this film. But, like, who was going... The ending of the book is 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 he is he's dead, and it's like ah, oh. yeah. And so it's a real like, be careful what you wish for, because you might just fucking get shot as a nine year old child, or um, however old he is. That's how I'm looking Christ. at this film. This film is yeah, he and he's killed for the sin. He's killed for being ungrateful and being racist. Yeah, he didn't honor his parents or whatever that commandment is i would really be interested to know what elijah wood thinks of this film Mm, fuck me too it's like what's he had before this i guess back to the future too i know he's only in it for like a second but he's there is he Um, is he in that film with Macaulay Culkin, obviously the kind of kid of the moment of the early nineties. The good son. The good, yeah, is I've, the good son before this. I want to say it's around the same time. Like, what blew my mind is that this is the same year as Pulp Fiction uh-huh. for Bruce Willis and Richie Rich <laughs> for another kid who looks exactly like Richie Rich in this film. Uh huh. And, and I just it's, think it's a. It's got Richie Rich's teacher as well. Is in, yes. Is in this film as the guy who works at the Smithsonian. Who's this kind of like. <laughs> I, I don't have his name to hand, but kind of was. Ben just, Stein. Was wheeled out in the, in the 90s to kind of just play like a guy who speaks a bit like this. Uh, hi, I, I'm here to tell you about about something. And like, I'm supposed to be a boring guy. Like, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, so yeah, the good son is a, is the year before this, so he would have. Mm. Oh, it never gets mentioned in interviews. Um, if well, the good son or North? <laughs> North, I think I think the good son mm. does as being like people like that film fucking terrified me. Like how like what was it like making that film? Being a kid who couldn't watch it, and then uh, yeah, I've never seen anyone interview Elijah Wood and talk about North. Maybe if. Or when I speak to Elijah Wood, I will. Oh, please do. I will be able to really uh, crack the nut on North and find <laughs> out find out what his 
what his views are. What his expert take is. Is he dead? Is he alive? Is he yeah. dreaming? Tell me. I maybe, need to know. Maybe it'll be a case of like, oh, I got to work with some really great people. A really di- mm. a diplomatic answer to the fact of like, it was great to work with Rob Reiner. Like, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was great and to no hang out else. with yeah, Dan Aykroyd for that day and Bruce Willis. <laughs> like, uh, Alan Arkin was there for a bit. That was good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my God. I really enjoyed Seinfeld, so having Elaine and George as my parents <laughs> was fun. Yeah. That was good. Uh, oh, Elijah, God. if you're listening, let's, let's talk about North. Please. Uh, right. I need to know. Should we wrap? Should we? Yeah. That, that, that feels, that, that feels like it on North maybe. Right. It's, it's quite a short film as well. It's only what, like 87 minutes or something. Yeah. So, maybe. Which is a godsend. If they'd spent a bit longer, it's, it's one of those films where it's like, if you had, if you, if, if you said, oh, spend a bit more time on it, maybe mm. they could have like, done justice to the cultures that they kind of like just really sh- shit on but then you're looking at like a three-hour film yes that is true. i think yeah i think the way of saving this is like you just pick three families and you spend 20 minutes on each of them uh-huh. like you know yes rather than a whistle we'll stop do, tour of yeah racism. whistle stop tour of racism <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, amazing amazing so yeah is there anything else we've missed that you would like to mention at all, Josh, on this film? Hmm. Product placement is okay. only... Well, it's not really a mention. I just, like, because of the Happy Madison lens that I see films through now, I'm uh-huh. just so attuned to when it's like, American Airlines is the best! Or, like, FedEx! We love FedEx. It'll get you home overnight. You know, it's just very weird. And for a film that's so expensive, I mean, obviously it's going to have a load of product placement in it, but like, it just felt quite brazen. Um, I feel like that was it. <laughs> no. I think, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. How about you? Anything else for you? No, I don't think oh. that is. I feel like this is a yeah. As I said, it's a there's there's only so much you can talk about with this film without kind of going over in a loop of kind of how mm. problematic and like mm. di- uh, un- yeah distasteful it is. A kind of uh, it feels. Crazy. I will say one more. Just one yeah. more. I found it. I found it. Bruce Willis pronounces Amadeus in a way that I've never heard it pronounced yes! anywhere else by anyone. Amadeus. Yeah, I think he's. But, I, I think he's never seen that word before in his life. <laughs> and and by the by, by by the kind of all the people involved in making a film. Nobody who worked on this film did. Do you know what I mean? Like script editor, producers, like, <laughs> like yeah. And th- this yeah, is, Amadeus, I guess. This is post the kind of the film Amadeus being outright, which I imagine yeah. like, 
people would have heard like Rob Reiner. You would have thought being like he would have been like in the academy at this point. I'm, I He'd have been at the premiere. Yeah, he would have. He would have heard that film said like the fact that nobody. It's the, yeah, it's the same thing with the the Scarlett Johansson line. Nobody was there. Mm. To kind of, it's, it's when you fall down on those small moments that you realise that that you're in for a bad time if they're not taking this care of the the minor details. It's yeah. They're, they're, they're not taking care of the, of, of the major issues. Yeah, exactly. They don't look after the small stuff, so... You know, don't look after the pennies, or look after the pennies, the pounds will look after themselves. You know that phrase? Yes. Is that real? That could be a phrase. But, yeah. like, should have done that. Should've yeah, done that. it reminds me of, like, that thing where uh, bands or artists will put, like, a really wild, um, like, thing in their rider where it'll be like only blue m&ms mm. and their, their, their justification for it is always the reason we do that is if if you're not if you're not paying attention to that kind of detail are you paying attention to the fact that we need like a drum riser that can mm. turn upside down do you know what i mean are, are, yeah, we, gonna, yeah. are we gonna kill tommy lee do you know what i mean like yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> or something like that so josh one of the things i like to do as we kind of wrap up the conversation on the film is ask you about some coppola connections where there are people who are either involved in this film or on screen who appear elsewhere working with another coppola family member did you manage to find any well i guess tessio um that's the main one. Oh. Are there any others? That's Elijah Wood. Right, I've got a I've got I've got Have you couple, got some? I've got a couple here, yeah. So Elijah Wood is in the trust with Nicolas Cage, 2015 Fuck. crime. Yes, drama. Yes, and also produced Mandy and Color Out Space, which also star Nicolas Cage. Yeah, um, nice. John Lovitz is in Trapped in Paradise with Nicolas Cage and mm. is in Little Nicky, which has an appearance by Patricia Arquette, who at the time was married to Nicolas Cage. Fuck uh, yes. And then, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, um, Abe Vigoda played Tessio in The Godfather, which is obviously directed by Francis Ford Coppola. And Scarlett Johansson is, of course... In Lost in Translation, directed by yes, 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 yes. the wonderful Sofia Coppola. So, let's rate this film. And the way we do that mm. on this podcast, Josh, is I always ask my guests, what would be the perfect wine pairing for this <laughs> film? What were you pairing with North? Um, a baby sham and a rotten steak. Okay, that, that's perfect. Uh, you know, how about you? I'm I, I'm going with vinegar because I think <laughs> wine, when it is uh, obviously it, it can age of two ways. It will get better as it kind of mm. gets older, or it turns to vinegar. As I think that Bing Rhames, uh, Marcellus Wallace says in Pulp Fiction, uh, okay. same year, same and he year. says it to Bruce Willis as well. I think or shit. Least, yeah, so I think this oh film has aged like a bad wine and turned to vinegar in the fact that uh, when I was a kid, I, I loved it, and now it kind of just leaves a really disgusting, bitter taste in your mouth. <laughs> Fuck. Fuck. That's so, yeah, that's so much better than mine. That's so good. <laughs> it's so true. 
Um, yeah, I think I think that's that, that's about right. That's about right with this one, right? It kind of I don't know. Yeah, and a, a baby sham and a bad steak as well. A rotten steak <laughs> would do the same thing. Leave a leave a similar similar. It starts off all right, and then. No, 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 rancid. Absolutely fucking rancid. <laughs> you got the shits for a week. Uh, yes. <laughs> so, a year, a year, a week would be joy. That'd be heaven. I must ask you, uh, following on from that, like, how much you paying for that wine? Eh? Is it a bottom shelf? Is it middle shelf? Or is it a top shelf wine? This baby sham. Where, 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 yeah, what are we looking at? I didn't buy it. I found it on like the seat of a tube train. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it was just kicking around, rolling around on the floor, half empty. It's a dreg that I've drunk. That's kind of, and that's similar to how I found the film <laughs> as in on YouTube in split into eight parts uploaded by an account called quick loosen his pants, yes. which is a line from the film. Like, yeah. This, this whole account, what I love about it as well is this whole account has been made just to host this film and the, in, the film in its entirety has been up since 2011 and no one has ever copyright claimed it. No one wants a fucking part of this film. Yeah, like, no, it's not like one of those ones where they've had to like speed it up slightly or flip <laughs> the image to like get away, to get away with any of that. It's kind of, it's left there. And yeah, it, this is a film that is like surprisingly hard to get a hold of in any kind of legitimate means. Like looking for a DVD, it was like I'd have to import it from America or get a VHS tape, and like it was just ridiculously expensive. And I was like, I'm not doing any of that to watch no. this film. Like I get it, fucking bury it, but also. <laughs> Make it easier for podcasters to access or for yeah. people who want to w listen to the podcast and watch before or after so they can understand all the subtle allusions to racism we're making. Do you know, like, I guess make it easier. I guess Castle people Rock. have got to suffer with us and watch that <laughs> part YouTube series, as I'm calling it. It'll make it give it a bit more mm. gravitas than it, than it deserves. Uh, <laughs> It's truly an event. This is event cinema at its finest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Netflix, who are you? We, we're watching. <laughs> we're watching North in eight parts on YouTube, baby. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, filmed on like a '90s flip phone and up, uh -huh. like uploaded using in pre 3G internet, like fucking edge <laughs> network. It's hideous. <laughs> Somebody's being shouted at by their mum because they want to use the phone for this to be uploaded. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't call your mum, mum. I'm uploading north to the internet so that everyone can watch it. Quick, loosen his pants. <laughs> yeah. Loosen, come on, what are you doing up there? Uh, <laughs> well, as we wrap <sighs> things up, Josh... Uh, I must ask you a few more questions. And the first one being, which Coppola family member would you keep? But in doing so, you get rid of the collective filmography of the rest of the family. I mean, this will come as no surprise, but like, I would kill every other actor in existence if it meant that we could keep Nick Cage's 
filmography. Yeah, like, exactly. I just would. Like, I'll give up The Godfather and Apocalypse Now. I'll, <laughs> like, I'll give up um, Lost in Translation. I'll give up. I'll give up the theme song to the OC. Like, just give me Willy's Wonderland. Just give me <laughs> Connor. Just give me like fucking. What's the one I watched here? Inconceivable. I'll take that. Like that oh. piece of fucking shit. Like I will. You know, it's he's just such a great actor. <laughs> he's just such yeah. a great actor, and also is so important to me in terms of bonding. Like I can think of so many groups of friends that I've had over my time on this earth that have been bonded through like you know going to house parties when i was like 13 14 and we just stick on con air or we'd stick on face off yeah and then through lockdown last year like my partner and i would um when we couldn't see each other or like i think it was even before we were dating we'd just watch we'd watch nick cage films over like mm -hmm. zoom or whatever together and that was like a bonding you know like a nice like we'll have a chat about this mm -hmm. i just and me and my brother like we bond over nick cage films <laughs> like he's just so amazing and funnily enough just before i started recording this episode like just before we started recording i was watching community i don't know if you've yes. watched that series guess what fucking episode it was the nick cage episode the, it was the, it was the, the nick cage episode amazing. like unplanned i just got up to that point and here like i I was just watching the episode and then it's suddenly like, oh, there's a Nick Cage class. Nick Cage got a band. I was like, you're fucking kidding me. Like, <laughs> he's just, he's, he's there. That's, yeah, that's beautiful that Nick Cage can bring people together. Like, um, mm. there's, uh, people who follow me on social media would have seen that at the moment I've been using questions from this podcast as opening lines on dating apps just to <laughs> just to kind of amuse myself and Perfect. Uh, seem to <laughs> I, i've toyed with the idea of making it a feature but then I, I i also haven't done it because it would it would show you how few people i match with on dating apps and would really like knock my self-esteem where it's like well this feature is four episodes long getting their answers to the questions i've asked them but, uh, <laughs> well, one of the ones that has been quite fruitful is the next question and that is what does bill murray say to scarlett johansson at the end of lost in translation i hated you in north <laughs> <laughs> oh. or like the line was I really like you, or whatever the fuck it was. It's not. It's not. I very like you. Like fuck. Yeah. Or maybe yeah. he says, "I very want you," and then that's it. I very. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why he says, "I very want you," and she's like, "Aw, little hug." See you later. That's uh, that's a uh, that's perfect. Both both of those <laughs> both of those answers. Yeah, I hated you in North is. Uh... Is, is is a fantastic answer to that question. Uh, I, I I love it, Josh. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you oh. about this. We've probably talked about this film way more than it deserves. We've probably, <laughs> we've, yeah. I I I find um small pleasure in sometimes being like 
the only podcast who's talked about a film and i feel like i haven't done the research beforehand but if this if this is the only living testament of north in podcast form i will i will, I will, I will only... chisel that on my grave <laughs> the only proof that this film exists uh-huh. for yeah. uk audiences yeah apart from that like loose, apart from me uh, us two and loosen your pants doing the fucking doing, doing the devil's work <laughs> the devil or the lord's work who knows who can say only time will tell it's the devil listeners spoilers <laughs> so josh oh where God. can where can people uh find you and keep up to date with yeah what's happening with uh, the second season of truly happily madison and uh, any, anything else you want to share with people Hmm. Well, yeah, if people want to follow me personally, they can at P-A-P-S-B-Y at P-A-P-S-B-Y. That's at Papsby. Um, that's on Twitter and Instagram and Letterboxd as well. But yeah, if you want to follow the podcast that I was talking about earlier, the and the Adam Sandler podcast slash uh, Future Unknown podcast, that's at True Hat Mad on Instagram and Twitter. And yeah, you can find the podcast and listen to one of 52, I think, episodes about Adam Sandler's various films. I love it. Um, yeah, you can find that on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere. Truly Happily Madison. Amazing. And yeah. Uh, yeah, and I- yeah. Thank you so much for having me on as well. Like, No worries. Well, thank you for pleasure. coming and making some Coppola connections with me, Josh. <laughs> no problem. Anytime. <laughs> There we have it, guys. There's another film scratched off the list of the ever-expanding Coppola family filmography. Thank you once again to Josh Pappenheim for joining me. Uh, it was a lovely, lovely conversation about a bad, bad, bad film. Um, yeah, if you've seen this film, if you love it, if you hate it, uh, get in touch. If we missed anything, if there's a... Uh, what did you think of our kind of... Uh, our, 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 our little hot take of a of a fan theory about it all being uh, all being the a Jacob's Ladder scenario don't hesitate to get in touch you can find me on Twitter tw- uh, Instagram Facebook and Letterboxd all at Caged In Pod or drop me an email at uh, cagedinpod at gmail.com that's where you can find the podcast so as for next week uh, I mentioned this last week I will be speaking to Gianni Russo who plays Carlo in The Godfather something I can't quite believe is happening obviously when I started this podcast um, yeah I never thought I'd be speaking to half of the people I spoke to whether that is the guests I'm speaking to the people I've interviewed and yeah speaking to someone who actually starred in The Godfather and I'm happy to say starred in The Godfather he has quite a prominent role he's quite a um, uh, prominent yeah like character in in the film uh, about carlo the certain things don't happen and uh, he's kind of a a bit of a linchpin to the to the machinations and the plot of that film so i very much look forward to sharing that conversation with you next week um so at the time of recording uh, well the time of release so tomorrow it's exciting stuff guys 
I'll be going to a multimedia VIP press screening of the new Nicolas Cage film, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Um, there's some other stuff going on with that that I can't quite share just yet because I don't, I don't know myself, and I don't want to, I don't want to count my chickens when I've hatched. But things could be very exciting on this podcast very soon, or they may not. I may be eating my words right now just by saying that. Um, obviously, probably a lot of you are probably uh, piecing things together and trying to figure out what that could mean. But yeah. Um, I think there's some fun, fun, fun times ahead on this here, dear podcast. Uh, so yeah, again, a massive thanks to all of you guys who listen uh, week in, week out, and support the podcast in any way that you do. Um, if you've thought to yourself, maybe oh, I'd like to support the podcast a little bit more, you can do so by giving me some sweet old cold hard cash by heading over to patreon.com forward slash caged in pod and what you heard just there guys was a segue which uh, if i do say myself was lovely so yeah if you'd like to pay me for that beautiful segue you can do so on patreon where you get access to a exclusive podcast series called movie brat Bros, where we are going series by series through francis ford coppola's contemporaries to see how they match up against him so at the moment we are looking at the films of Brian De Palma and it's a real heady mix of films we've had so far of that is Phantom of the Paradise, Mission Impossible, Raising Kane and this Thursday you'll be able to listen to my conversation with Rich Nelson of the Do You Want Me and formerly of the Betamax Video Club podcast where we are talking about the 1987 Brian De Palma film The Untouchables, an absolute stone cold classic of the genre and a whole lot of fun was had in that conversation so yeah head on over there part with your money get involved become a little movie brat with uh with me and the gang over there and if you don't want to part with your cash you can support the podcast by heading over to apple podcast acast spotify or wherever you're listening to this right now and leave a lovely five star rating and review and always remember that if you are going to rate and review podcast to make sure that you let me know what you think bill murray says to scarlett johansson at the end of lost in translation and my favorite ones will be read out on the podcast so as ever guys i have been petros patsilavis your guide through the crazy world of the copa family tree remember to keep it caged in and i'll catch you next time 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, a Town Limery, Maine, franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.